Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I've heard you are in a series right now called Rooted that is impacting you at a deep level. Just heard some of the stories even this morning about how that that is really affecting you. And it's been something that actually our church community has been um, talking about as well. How do we let these roots go down deep into our relationship with God, but also in our relationship with each other? And it, it really affects this This message I want to bring to you today about community and what it is that God designed us to be. Because God designed our roots to go down deep into that love, that relationship with him. But there's there's an entangling with the roots of other people that causes there to be health in our own lives. In fact, it's amazing to me to think about the redwood trees. I don't know how many know very much about the redwood trees, but they actually, their root systems, they're, they're pretty shallow for how tall of trees they actually are. But the reason these trees have such strength is because the network of roots that is beneath the surface. There is a connectivity that is taking place that is causing these giants of the forest to be able to stand as tall as they do. And that's that's what I want to talk to you about today is spiritual family. And if we looked at just this last season that we have all been in together, I don't think that there is anything that has been so impacted as our relationships with each other. Yeah. In fact, I was just thinking about all the people that actually liked me before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you got some of those people in your life too. You know, I was watching other people experience um, COVID, and especially in the very first part where everything was shut down and we were living in our houses for so long, right? And it was like you didn't even see other people for a, a good amount of time. Um, and during that time, all of our kids were online at school, and there was people online that I'm watching that were just like, this is awesome. I wear my pajamas every day. I haven't like brushed my teeth in weeks. I'm just like living the life, laid back, don't care about other people. That was not my experience. With three kids online at school, I could not walk into a single room of my house without ending up on some classroom experience, right? I would like walk in the room and my kids would be like, here's teacher so-and-so, this is my mom. And I'd be like, hi. I was not wearing pajamas. I'd have my makeup on all the time. There was not, I couldn't even walk out of my my bedroom, right, without being fully prepared and ready because my own house had just like every single room, people streaming into it all the time. It affected our relationships, <laughs> all of them with our, our own family. I remember we just started this initiative, and this, this was the Lord. It was the spirit of the Lord, but it also might have something to do with the angst we were feeling at being trapped in our house is we actually started this prayer initiative at our, our church where we were like, you know what? We just need to get out of our house and go walk and pray, and we're going to do 2,100 hours as a church community. And honestly, every day I just look forward. I'm going outside. I'm going on a walk. All of you stay inside. <laughs> No one's going on the walk with me. (laughs) You can pray to Jesus all by yourself. Mom is going on this prayer walk. (laughs) I loved that initiative. 
But we look, we look at what was taking place actually in the world around us pre-COVID, and um, there was a lot of the things that we're feeling now already present. Like, like the cracks were already taking place. It's just that the weight of the pandemic caused them to fracture at a much faster level than, than maybe we would have wanted them to. But there was, also, there was already isolation, kind of shallow relationships that were on the rise. There was all the negative effects of social media. Um, there was so much tension that was already taking place. And then you add the weight of the pandemic and it just went crazy. That little tiny crack like you, you know, sometimes get in your windshield just like splintered in a million different ways. And it, it brought me back to this place of asking God, what is it that you want to do in this hour? Because I, I know what's happening around me. I, I can jump on social media. I can talk with anybody at the grocery store. And it's, it's obvious all the pain, all the frustration, all the difficulty that we're feeling. But God, what is it that you are wanting to do? Because just because we're feeling all the obstacles, all the resistance, does not mean that you are not still at work. It does not mean that your plans are somehow thwarted and the church has stopped moving forward. God, whatever it is that you want to do, actually your purposes, they will be accomplished on the earth. It's just a matter of whether or not us, the people in our time, will be a part of them. And so I went back to just some of the things that God says about family in the Bible. And I look first at this, this verse that you've probably heard if you've been around church for any amount of time. It's Psalm 68, 6, and it says this, God sets the lonely in families. Yeah. I just spent time meditating. God, you set the lonely in families. You take the one who is isolated. You take the one who is on the outside, and God, you set them in a family. I went to this verse, Romans 8, 15, and it says this, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And actually, my family got this really special, unique kind of experience during COVID where there's a little girl that came into foster care with my sister and her family when she was just two years old. And when she came in, uh, the reason that she entered into the foster care system is actually she had got bit by a dog in the face, and then nobody had got her treatment. So her, her face was all swollen. It was all bruised. It was really, really ugly, nasty-looking uh, wound that was on her face. And my, my sister and her family, they do what they, uh, is called respite foster care system uh, or foster care work. And so a lot of times the kids that come into their home, they're only there for a, a little bit of time. And they're just transitioning, helping, getting them into places that would be able to care for them um, for a longer period of time. But this little girl just right away just fell in love with my sister's family. In fact, of her own initiative, she changed her last name. And she began telling everyone that their last name was her last name. And, you know, if you, if you know very much about the foster care system, that's not really the way that it works, right? <laughs> Nobody lets this child change her own last name. It took multiple years before finally, actually, there was an ability um, for my sister and her husband and their three kiddos to be able to adopt Amelia into their home. But just this year, we were able to gather into a courtroom and be in this moment where the judge said at 11.08 a.m., your name is now Amelia Speedick. And forever, this child's future 
has now shifted. She's a part of a brand new family. She's no longer isolated. She's no longer alone. There's all these cousins. She has a brother. She has sisters. She has people all around her who have invited her in. And what a beautiful picture of what God wants family to look like. Because family is actually God's idea from the very beginning. In fact, if I, if I think about how God is about family, I think that God is probably like an annoying dad at Disneyland that really wants all of the family experience. Anybody actually that dad or have that dad in their life? My dad's not really like this, but I have an uncle who is like this. And it's like everybody has to have matching Disney shirts, right? And you stop for every little thing to take a picture. And everything has to, to just feel like we're in this together. And if you go like, you know, maybe me and my friends, we just want to go over on this ride because we're kind of getting tired of the small little kid rides here at Disneyland. So we want to go on Space Mountain or, you know, something cool. And he's like, no, we do things together as a family. It's about the family. This is not about the thrills. This is about being together. That's how I think about God, actually, when it comes to family, is he's just the family, man. It's all about the experience of being together and enjoying life. And that's awesome when it's a life-giving culture and environment. But here's the reality of family. It's amazing when it goes right, and it's devastating when it goes wrong. And there's a desire in every one of us for a family that just is like, I love being a part of this. These people, we're in this together. We're on mission to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. But lots of us, if we went around the room, could probably talk about some deep hurts caused by family. Whether that's your family of origin, whether that's extended family, whether that's church family. There's a lot of baggage that a lot of times comes with it, and it goes back to what happened really in Genesis when God was first setting up this family, and the fracture took place. Genesis 3.16 is God talking to Eve after he has designed Adam and Eve to rule together, to multiply and to be his family on the earth. But as you probably know, sin took place. They disobeyed what God had for them. And here's, here's then what he says to her in Genesis 3.16. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And you feel the fracture. Sin took place. Now what God had created to walk together hand in hand there's angst, there's frustration, there's tension in that. We go down a little bit uh, further to what he then says to Adam, and he says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And this is not what God designed family to look like. He's talking about the ripple effects of the fracture that has now taken place. And there's isolation and there's a lot of hard work that's producing less fruit than God intended for them to be reaping from the work that he gave them to do. The fractures were taking place in humanity and we're feeling them to this day. Thousands of years later, we're experiencing all the splinters 
COVID comes around and we're feeling them at a much deeper level. But it all started in this moment that broke humanity. Sin entered the world and it broke our relationships, not just with God, but our relationships with each other. And I, I think a lot of times we get into this place where we start kind of looking in the past and we go, remember the good old days. Do you remember when we could just gather around we didn't have to worry about this virus and we could just not have mass and not worry about separation and and we didn't have to be afraid and and remember back when kids used to just respect their elders remember when they just honored people based on their age what what a funny concept remember when you didn't have to really worry about your kids they would just go ride their bikes through the neighborhood and the neighbors would kind of watch them and it really was a village raising the children. And sometimes we look back with all this nostalgia at how times used to be, but in reality, the fractures have always been there. We're just continuing to experience the splintering of these fractures, but there's never been a time throughout all of human history, unless you go back pre-sin, pre-the fall, that there ever was the ideal for what God designed family to look like. So it brings us back to this place of going, culture is not going to teach me what I need to know about family. I'm not going to learn it in a book. I'm not going to learn it in some magazine. No therapist is even going to give it to me. God himself has to come in and teach me what it is he intended this to look like. What is family actually supposed to be? And just like we already even talked about this morning, is the redemption that Jesus offers us really provides a brand new way of living. Because of his death, because of his sacrifice, there's not just the forgiveness of sins, but there is the ability now to live life like we never had the ability to live it before. I want to read to you Ephesians 2. 1 through 5, and I love this in the NIRV translation. If, if you don't know very much about the you know, different translations, this, this actually, if you have young kids, I, I usually suggest parents introduce their kids to reading the Bible through the NIRV because it breaks down language down to like a third grade level, which I really like actually reading at that level too. <laughs> so it says here in the NIRV, it says, you were living in your sins and lawless ways, but in fact you were dead. You used to live as sinners when you followed the ways of this world and you served the one who rules over the spiritual forces of evil. He's the spirit who is now at work in those who don't obey God. And at one time, we all lived among them. And our desires were controlled by sin. We tried to satisfy what they wanted us to do. We followed our desires and thoughts and God was angry with us like he was with everyone else. And that's because of the kind of people we all were. But God loves us deeply. He's full of mercy. So he gave us new life because of what Christ has done. There's a brand new way of living. A path has opened up to us that wasn't there before. Because of the death of Jesus because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the grace that's his supernatural power at work inside of us, enabling us to live the life that we never even knew existed. 
So when you make that decision to follow Jesus, you are reborn from the inside out. And this understanding of the way that God wants family to look like suddenly becomes a possibility. And the thing I want to introduce to you today, then, is this truth that family isn't something that you find. Family is something that you forge. The family God wants you to have isn't something that drops in your lap. It's something that you now have the possibility through the grace of Jesus Christ to forge with the people around you. But you do have to realize your part in forging that family. And sometimes we sit around and we kind of think, like, family has got to find me. In fact, a lot of times people will come into a church kind of community or environment and they're kind of, they're kind of looking. Are people friendly here? Are these the kind of people that are authentic and real? Are people like me here? Is this a place where I fit? And they're looking for, can I find family here? But the reality is, every single one of us is called to forge family. We are called to understand what it is that God has called us to live out and then step-by-step partner with him until that reality becomes our reality. Proverbs 27, 17, I think sums it up in just this really great picture of what relationships often look like when it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I've heard that scripture verse all throughout my life as I grew up in church is iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. And I like the idea of being sharp. You know, that sounds better than being dull. But when I think about the process of iron sharpening iron, you know what I actually think about? Like nails on the chalkboard. Oh, like that sound. That doesn't feel good. That doesn't seem good at all. That that irritation. Somebody pushing against what you think, what you believe, the way that you're living life. That doesn't sound good at all. But as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But if we don't understand what it is that God is calling us into, what he's leading us into, then I think it's really easy to go, as soon as you start to feel that iron sharpening you, you feel the irritation and the frustration of it, to just back out and go, you know what? I'm going to look for where I can find family, not forge family. Because this, this, is, this is more than maybe I thought that it should be. The fractures that I'm experiencing, the pain that comes with them, other people's weaknesses, other people's woundedness, the, other, the way people react to me, this is more than I signed up for. Anybody feel that sometimes, even throughout these past couple years? Days that you're like, you know what, I just don't even want to be on social media anymore. I don't want to hear everyone else's pain showing up on their feed. Everyone else's opinion. But we have to come back and go like, okay, but God, that's, that's not really the question. The question is, what have you asked me to do? Because my life is not my own. And if you've called me to forge family with these people around me, then I submit myself to the process of iron sharpening iron. People coming alongside of me and helping me become who it is that God designed me to be. 
And Jesus, Jesus didn't just help us to kind of understand this idea of family and the way that he talked about God as his father all of the time. Jesus actually modeled this for us. We see this picture of spiritual family being forged in the way that Jesus gathered his disciples to him. Because he did not gather to himself, well, here's all the people who think the same way. Here's all the people with the same personalities. Here's all the people who really look and talk just like each other. Jesus pulled in people from all over the place. In fact, he has Matthew, he has this guy who's working for the Roman government to tax his own people. He's not the person that everyone else really likes. He is Simon the Zealot who ran with people that were known for their violent ways of going about things. And he says, you know what, you two, bunking together. You're going to be so good for one another. He didn't shy away from you're on this side or you're on this side or you think this or you think. Jesus said, we're going to become family all together. Now, every, every family has just a way of doing things. You know, I come here to Kalos Church and just experience the way that your family is, and there's a, there's a difference. There are some things that are the same because we're part of Jesus' family, but the way that Kalos Church is as a family is different from Sun City Church. There's your uniqueness and your, your way of just relating and interacting with each other. Jesus had that same way where he showed up on the scene and the way that he was and the way that he gathered family, it was so radically different from everything else around him that people, they noticed. Some people thought it was awesome. Some people were offended by it. Some people didn't want to have anything to do with it. Some people wanted to murder him over it. But here's a couple things of the way that Jesus' family was different. Here's here's the first thing that you have to understand about Jesus' family is that every person in his family has value. That was so different from the culture at that time because women and children did not have value. People that were not Jewish did not have value. There was a lot going on in that area that they valued specific people. If you were religious, if you had certain standing in the synagogue, there was value on some people and there was not value on other people. Jesus comes on the scene and every single person has value. Jesus forged this family that didn't just erase the lines that people had drawn, men and women. This race, that race, rich people, poor people, good people, bad people. Jesus, he actually healed the fractures. It says in Galatians 3.8, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here's the second thing that he, he, he does, that he makes this distinction about the way that Jesus does family, is that blessing flows through the family. Now, this is also very different from the culture, because the culture, there was certain specific people who had value who got the blessing. If you were the firstborn son, then you got the blessing. But if you were outside of that little scope of things, you did not receive the blessing. Jesus, he comes to give blessing for every single person who's part of the family. And you find him saying things like, the last will be first. Bring the little children unto me. And he's causing blessing to flow to the family, but also through the family. And this is, this is important for you to understand because 
in order to receive the blessing, you do have to show up and be part of it. And, and Jesus would tell these parables about a, a, a man throwing a huge feast. And there's so much food and there's so much available at that feast for everyone who participated. But you had to come to be part of it. You couldn't, you couldn't stay from the outside and go like, hey, I'm a little too busy. I don't really have it, you know, in my schedule this week. You had to come. You had to be present. You had to be in the family to receive the blessing. But if you did, it did not matter who you were. If you just showed up for the very first time, the blessing was for you. But here's the other thing that happened is Jesus says it's not just about the blessing is coming to you because you joined my family, like my little, my little niece that became a part of our family officially this last year. Is she didn't come in and just receive the blessing. So she gets the same Christmas presents and birthday parties and all the privileges of being a part of this specific family. What Jesus does is he says the blessing is going to flow through the family. Now this is significant. Because he's helping a people who have felt like they have been under. Like, I'm the victim. Like, I'm the, I'm the person who needs the blessing. I'm the person waiting for the handout. I'm the person, the Jewish people at the time, they were subject to the Romans. The people that he was mostly interacting were, with were typically poor. And they were people who were waiting for something to happen that would make their life so much better. Man, if the Messiah would show up and the Romans were no longer in charge, if God would heal this or if God would do that, if something would happen, I would receive the blessing. My life would be so much better. But Jesus, he sets up this way of his family functioning. This is you're not just receiving the blessing. It's through you that the blessing flows to other people. It's through you. And it's there that we understand that it's more blessed actually to give than to receive. This is Jesus' words. He says it's more, it's more blessed. And they're going, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I need you to do something, God. But he's saying through you, I'm going to do something for the people around you. So these disciples, they would come in and, and Jesus quickly would have them be going out and doing the actual ministry themselves. You go out and pray for the sick. In fact, they would come to Jesus and they would say, Jesus, the people, they are hungry. They have no food. And Jesus would say, feed them. He's, he's changing their mindset. I'm not the one that is providing everything. You're called to be the family and through you, I'm going to cause blessing to flow to everyone else. Here's the, the, the third thing that Jesus really sets up his family to look like is that the family always has room for one more. There's always room. So Jesus, it's not closed. It's not, this is the only people that ever get to be here. In fact, the table is set so that he can continue inviting people to join, to be a part. The adoptions are continuing to take place. It says in Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus looks at your life and all the pain that maybe you've experienced in family, all the disappointment, the disillusionment. Maybe you have some really great experiences. Maybe you have, you have times you can look back and go like, honestly, I, I had such a great family growing up and I, and I just want to recreate that for the next generation. Whatever your story is, I believe that God here today wants to stir in you a vision for what he wants Kalos to be 
specifically in this hour. Because people all around you are feeling the pain of the fractures in relationships. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling alone. They're looking to find family. But someone somewhere has said, got to say on behalf of them and on behalf of everyone around them, I'm not going to just find family. I'm going to forge family. Because when you decide to forge family, someone else can be adopted in. Somebody else can come in and be a part of what you have now created space for. So I want to give you three things as we wrap up today. How to forge family. How do we do it? What's it look like to forge this family that God has designed us to be a part of? And here's the number one thing I would give you is you got to welcome those without family. Those without family who come every single week, who you just rub shoulders with when you go out to eat, when you're walking in the park and you're interacting with them as people who are feeling the pain and the pressure of doing life alone. We had a guy who... Uh, my, my husband and our, our two boys, um, they go play basketball all the time. That's one of the things that they love to do together is they wake up early, they go to the gym, and they just found a bunch of just random kind of guys. At, at least they would think it was random. I've discovered over the course of my life that God actually is way more strategic than I ever give him credit for. And he's orchestrating things that I typically don't understand until I'm looking backwards at it and going like, wow, God, you are doing something in this. But one of the guys who plays basketball with um, them, is, his name is Chuck. And Chuck, during the, the middle of the pandemic, he moved away and he, he went back to his hometown because he's not even from Spokane. And, you know, they just play basketball together a couple times a week. They kind of form, you know, some kind of friendship. But it's not very deep. They're just, they're just playing a sport together. Partway through the, the pandemic last year, all of a sudden we um, find out that Chuck, through one of the other people that plays basketball, is moving back to town. And so when he gets back to town, you know, obviously they're excited to have another person to play basketball with. And he says, uh, Danny says to him, how come you came back? And he said, honestly, I just missed the friendships of this, this group that plays basketball every couple weeks or a couple times every week. And Danny was a little blown away by that. Like, you, you missed playing basketball with us? Like, you would move cities because we play basketball together a couple times a week? Sometimes we don't even do it. And he said, honestly... These are some of the closest friendships I have. I get together with you guys a couple times a week, and it's, it's just some of the best times in my life. And I got over to this other city. I didn't know anyone. Everyone's wearing masks. It all feels so isolated. And I just missed it. And he moved back to play basketball at the gym with a bunch of guys that he just had formed some friendship with. In this last year, Chuck started coming to church with us. And there was a Sunday where he was sitting, sitting right in a uh, room just like this. And when the moment came, we invited people to put their trust in Jesus, Chuck raised his hand. And he became not just a friend, he became spiritual family. He comes and picks up my boys and he takes them and he goes and gives them private basketball lessons multiple times a week. He comes to family events. He's, he's become part of the family because we're looking, God, who, who is it that you're welcoming into your family? And God, are we hearing you, noticing you, and making room for the people that are supposed to be a part? Here's, here's the second thing I want to give you is help raise the next generation because family has to have purpose. And God 
put Adam and Eve together and he gave them a mission. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to multiply. I want there to be a next generation. God's a family man and he wants kids, but he wants grandkids. He wants great grandkids. God wants all of the kids at his house for Christmas. He wants all of the kids. And there has to become something in us that when we go, this is my spiritual family. Like maybe I'm visiting Kalos and I'm checking it out and I'm trying to decide, is this where God would have me? But when I've decided this is my family, these are the people I fight for. These are the people maybe that sometimes I fight with. These are the people that I'm going to battle for. These are the people I'm laying down my life for. There has to come an understanding God has given us a mission. And the mission is not just about us and creating what we love and what we like and what we're comfortable with. We are about the next generation. And you can tell the health of any church, you can tell the future of any church by looking at the way that they invest in the next generation. Which is why at Sun City Church, we say, we are not having the same people and kids every single week. We're not having the same people always in youth. We are calling for the whole church to take ownership of the next generation. We do not put the people just with the most patience and the most grace just to take care of our children. As a whole community, we are invested in some way to raise them up. We just had a, a women's conference just last week, and my 11-year-old daughter is the one on the front row running the service. She has her little headphone on, and she's telling everybody which way to go. She's 11 years old, and she's running the service because we're investing in her. I look back at the sound booth. My 13-year-old niece is back there, and she's doing all the lights, and you think, like, well, man, you'll have anybody that would do that in your church? You'd have to have a 13-year-old girl. And we chose that on purpose. We're kicking the older people out. Sorry, your time has come. You are now now the coach. Because we are raising the next generation. We're investing in them. But here's the third thing is you got to bless as you've been blessed. Because you've come in, and if you've put your faith in Jesus, you're part of the blessing of God. And me and Amrita, we were just talking this morning, driving around, and just talking about the favor of God that's been on our life, our kids, on this church. And sometimes we just got to back up a little bit and notice how good we have it. And that blessing isn't supposed to just stay with us. The waters are not supposed to stagnate. It's not supposed to all get stuck in one area. It's supposed to flow. And there are people that are waiting for the blessing of God to flow through you, through your words, through your generosity, through the way that you welcome them in. There are people that are waiting for the blessing of God. We, we preached a sermon just a couple years ago all about setting the table for your neighbors and the people around you. And, and there was a person in our church that, that took that so literally that they went home and they built a table. And they came back and they showed me the picture and they said, this is the table that my family is going to invite our neighbors is going to invite people from our community to come in and sit so we can make food for them and we can just share with them the goodness of God for our life. We built this table on purpose. Can I pray for you here today, Kalos Church? Father, I thank you for the, the family that you have already knit together in this church. But God, I'm praying that you would take what you're doing and God, you'd fan it into flame. Because God, in this hour, there are people all around that are desperate 
for what the individuals in this room have. Without even knowing it, without even being able to name it, so hungry to be a part of something that's life-giving. So hungry to be on the inside instead of the outside. And God, I'm praying, would you do something in every heart, every couple, every family, every young person? God, would you stir something of a vision for the family you designed them to forge? Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.